Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at HM.com. favorite yeah. <laughs> fucking story oh well yeah yeah so this guy was a comedian that we both know and you know i don't know if a lot of people out there would know him it doesn't matter but uh he's the one who told me this story that he he moved into a new place in west hollywood where they have a lot of i don't know if they'd call them townhouses but they're like duplexes and they're all like i don't know two or three stories high and uh i guess the place that he moved into his place was one story higher than all the other places. So if you looked out, all you saw was the roof of the place next door. He did, and he he just moved in. He didn't have any drapes or anything, and he's got the light on. And he gets a call from his girlfriend, and he starts uh, having phone sex. And I, oh yeah, and it was dark outside, so he's uh, you know starts doing his thing. Pants come down. Starts jerking off and then goes all the way and finishes and grabs like a Kleenex or something like that. And all of a sudden he hears like a, like a distant crowd of people just going, oh, <laughs> and he's like, what in the fuck? And he, and he kind of like his eyes focus on the window and adjust. And then he looks out and he sees that there's an entire party going on on the roof. <laughs> And the building right next to his. So it's like he never thought, well, the roof, like, as you figure, (laughs) apparently they've got a barbecue and they've got all these people and they're all watching him. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Hey, guys, switching it up a little bit this week. I thought I'd lead in with something engaging. I know Ari does that, and I always enjoyed it. And I was like, ah, it takes too much work. But I was like, this story's so great. I thought we'd lead with it so that you knew how great this podcast was going to be. This is literally just two comics hanging out, swapping stories, talking about friends, and and it really is fun as crap. I love this guy. Um, uh, And it's not Doug Stanhope's dog, just in case you're curious. Henry Henry Phillips is a stand-up comic. He's got a movie called Punching Henry on Netflix. He had a movie called Punching the Clown before that, which you might have caught with, I think, was on Netflix. But he is absolutely fantastic. He does. We talk about all this, and so I won't spoil it. But uh, but I thought, yeah, I'd tease it with that story because it's one of my favorite stories ever. And there are probably twenty more of those. And we start telling our favorite jokes. And at one point, I talk about Jason Dixon in Richmond, and I don't remember the joke in the podcast. But I was just in Richmond last week, and I ran into Jason, and he gave me the joke. And uh, this is the joke. I'll see if I can. If I can recite it to you. It's by John Pinney, J-O-H-N-P-I-N-N-E-Y. If you guys can get in touch with him. Dude, this guy had so many great jokes. This is just my favorite one. Comedy is all about common denominators. Finding the things that all make us laugh. It's like when you go to an Asian restaurant and the one guy says, Hey, I got an idea. We'll all order different dishes and we'll all sample off of each other's. And then he orders hummingbird dicks. And there you are with no Mugu guy pan, but there's a big old plate of hummingbird dicks just sitting there staring at you. <laughs> That's the joke. I absolutely love that joke. I hope, John Penny, if you hear this, I did it justice. Um, 
But yeah. Uh, anyway, we got some tour dates coming up, a couple sponsors, and uh, and then we'll start the podcast. So uh, tour dates, real quick. Do not fast forward, you sons of bitches. Just hear me out. This will take two seconds. Omaha Funny Bone, the 31st of March and the 1st of April. Then Wise Guys Comedy, the 13th, 14th, and 15th of April. Stand Up Huntsville. Stand Up Live in Huntsville on the 20th. Followed by the Wild West Comedy Festival. And we are doing a call-in sick-to-work show that week. That is pretty special. I will tell you it's a change of things and it's going to be big and it's going to be crazy. And if the deal goes through, uh, I think it'll be special for everyone, including myself, and we can share it with everybody. Yuck Yucks Calgary the week after that. And then Detroit. We are doing the Crowfoot Ballroom the 4th of May. I didn't even think to do the 5th of May, Cinco de Mayo. But Cinco de Mayo, I'm going to be at the Cincinnati Funny Run. I'm going to try to get in early so I can go do Kid Chris's show on the morning of the 5th. Crapshoot Comedy Festival on the 19th in Vegas. Cobb's Comedy Club, the 9th, 10th. And then Sacramento, the 11th of June. Kansas City, Orlando. Cherokee Casino, Columbus Funny Bone. Pittsburgh, Hilarities. Houston, Stand Up Live in Phoenix. Addison, I took a sleeping pill 10 minutes ago. Hopefully it doesn't kick in before this read is over. Helium, D.C., Tacoma, Comic Strip. Possibly Australia. We just got an email about that yesterday. And, uh, oh, you know what? Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is a product this family uses. I love Blue Apron. I love Blue Apron because they send you fresh ingredients, the exact amount you'll need, directly to your doorstep in a cooler. You can throw it in the fridge. You're not on some time crunch to make it immediately. You got like five days to wait, and it's perfect, you know? The, the thing that's cool about Blue Apron is that I've noticed in our family, when we make a Blue Apron dinner, we all sit down and eat dinner together. And the girls are willing to try things they wouldn't normally try. I don't know if it's because it's from, from Blue Apron or if it's because they saw me make it. And by the way, these meals take no time to make. The other day, Leanne was uh, going to get Isla over at, uh, at play practice and... I started the meal before she left. Play practice is maybe like 10 blocks away. She picked her up, came back, and it was done. And when I say fresh ingredients, they had ginger in there that I had never seen ginger look like before. You didn't have a whole head of cabbage. You had a quarter of a head of cabbage. The exact amount of ingredients, so there's no waste, which is fantastic. Especially if you're a hipster and you're into that kind of stuff. It's fantastic. You don't have nine heads of broccoli in your fridge like, shit, man, I think I overdid it on the broccoli. And there's no measuring. You know, you just yeah. cut that and dump it. Or open the packet and dump it. If you're obsessive compulsive like me, when you do the soy glaze, you end up uh, taking your quarter a cup of water and pouring it into the remnants of the soy glaze jar and then shaking it up and dumping it into the the chicken. It was fantastic. It was really good. It was really great. And the girls love it. And today I'm a little angry about this, but um, uh, the Georgia and Isla made a fucking Blue Apron by themselves. Leanne did a little chopping for them, but I wanted to be here for it. But it was so cool that the girls could do it by themselves. And if the girls can do it, then you can do it. That's how easy it is. The, f- the food, very quickly, is – I have to say this because this is important. Um, the seafood sourced sustainably under the standards developed by the partnership of the Monterey Bay Seafood Aquarium. 
Uh, I think I'm misread that because I'm dyslexic. The beef, chicken, and pork come from responsibly raised animals, and the produce is sourced from farms that practice regenerative farming. I just looked up what that was. Regenerative farming basically means uh, they like recycle the topsoil and, and the roots and stuff, which is good because I guess there's something where you dig too deep and you kind of ruin the soil. I don't know. All I know is you can promise that the ingredients you get are fresh uh, and clean and not steroided up and, and, and junked up. So check them out. Blue Apron. Um, some of the meals they've got coming up. Salmon piccata with orzo broccoli. That's going to be a home run in this house. Vegetable chili baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. Ooh. That's one I'll make by myself and hide from the family. <laughs> Spicy shrimp coconut curry with Cabbage and rice. I love that they incorporate cabbage. You can steal from Blue Apron. When they tell you how to make like pork chops with miso butter and bok choy with marinated apple. Let me tell you something. How many times do you get a pork chop and fuck it up and go, that was really dry? Well, after Blue Apron, I will never miscook a breast of chicken in a pan ever in my life. All you got to do is, I'm not telling you. Get Blue Apron, and you'll find out how to cook it. The meals are easy, like I said, in 30 minutes or less, 40 minutes or less, The uh, and, and affordable. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients that make delicious home-cooked meal. Enough of that. If I haven't sold you, you don't have a tongue. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. With free shipping, go to blueapron.com slash BERTCAST, B-E-R-T-C-A-S-T, BERTCAST. You're going to love how it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's right. Did I mention three free meals? That's three free meals. That is technically 12 free dishes you will get. 12 free dishes. Go to blueapron.com slash birdcast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Not a bledder mother. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stamps.com is another product this family uses. We've been using it long before I was aware we were using it. We started using it when we started selling T-shirts. And I remember one time saying something about Stamps.com, like, because I heard a promo code on another podcast. And I said to my wife, you know, we should use Stamps.com. She's like, dummy, we've been using Stamps.com for like eight months. And I was like, shut up. And she said, literally she said, um, it's so easy. It's a thumb click away. It is, I mean, you can pre-weigh, you got the scale or something, you can pre-weigh your thing and then put it on and then bam, you're you're halfway out the door. Who wants to wait at the post office? This is all stuff she said in real life. Who wants to wait at the post office? Who wants to wait in line? I mean, nothing against the post office, but I don't want to wait in line. I'd rather just do my business and kill it. And with kids, I do a lot of that stuff at night. So I couldn't possibly go to the post office and it, function in my schedule. But you know, the cool thing is stamps.com is kind of partnered with the United States Postal Service. So all of your packages are actually being delivered and carried through the USPS, which is cool too. Yeah. So you're not you're not you're not getting one over on the mailman who's nice. We had a nice one now. Yes we did. We we had a dick before. Yes, but he didn't work for stamps.com. And by the way, he also inherited money from his mom, so he had a ton of money. So am I right? Yes. Yeah, and he was still a jerk, just so unfriendly. But that's that's neither here nor there. My point is, on Stamps.com, 
it is it, it just makes everything simple. You know, so many of us, myself included, all my friends, all my best friends included, and a lot of my college friends start independent businesses. I got a friend with a company called Pit Paste. She makes her own deodorant and ships it out. She uses stamps.com. And I just think that's the beauty of today's business is you get a company like stamps.com, then you get an idea and they help you facilitate your idea and make it easier. And it's not just for people with online businesses. This is for personal use. Also, you don't have to go to the post office at all. Christmas, you got gifts you want to ship out? Stamps.com. Cinco de Mayo is right around the corner. You have some sombreros and muchachas, not muchachas. What what movie am I in? You know what I'm talking about. Stamps.com. You don't have to go to the post office and wait in line at all. Does that make sense? Yes, it's absolutely true. And, you know, they don't only do – they also do international shipping. That was what – the thing that blew me away. You were like – when we first started talking to Stamps.com, Leanne's like, oh, my God. We use them for international – I mean, international shipping is through the roof. It's amazing because uh, when we started using Stamps.com, you could not – do digital custom forms through the post office. I'm not sure if you can or not now because we have just been using stamps.com for six years. So if you send something internationally, you can fill out your customs form right all at the same time and slap the sticker on your package and put it in your mailbox and put your flag up and you're done. That is fantastic. It's amazing. If you've worn a machine shirt, if you've worn a marshmallow shirt, if you've worn a Brown Friday calling sick to work shirt, if you've read my book and it was signed from me, baby, we use stamps.com. And that that is the truth. So Couldn't run our business without it. Literally couldn't run our business without it. And so uh, here's a special offer. Right now, use my name, Bert, for this special offer. That's B-E-R-T. A four-week trial. That includes postage and a digital scale. Do you hear what I said? A four-week trial. If you have a dream, this is how you start that online business. A four-week trial. Stamps.com is investing in your business. A four-week trial. Postage and a digital scale? Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Bert. That's stamps.com. Remember, click on the radio microphone on the top of the homepage and type in Bert. That's stamps.com. Enter Bert. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. And that is officially it for sponsors. Ladies and gentlemen, start the podcast. Today's guest from Punching Henry. Doug Stanhope loved him so much he named his dog after him, Henry Phillips. This is Let's get us down to reasonable recording levels. Check one. Okay. I think if we're both at Five or six would be fine. Talk again. Check one. Testing one, Fantastic. two. Fantastic. Yeah. We're recording. Dude, All right. It's so good to have you. Yeah, man. Thanks it really for having is. me. I, you know, I was telling Leanne, she goes, uh, who's your podcast with today? I go, Henry Phillips. She's like, do I know him? And I said, you, I probably showed him, showed you something of his. 
And she's like, explain him. And I was like, I go, really, you know, the, the only definition that I can think of is the one you used in Punching Henry, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is a, a rambling troubadour. Yeah, exactly. And I said, I said, he's a guy who does a road, but he lives in L.A. Mm-hmm. He's not like he's I go, you wouldn't call him a road comic. He's just a comic. And then I go, the best way to describe him for you, for my wife to whatever, I go, Doug Stanhope's dog is named Henry Phillips. <laughs> yeah, and she went, oh, I get it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's the coolest. That's hilarious. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, that was hilarious. Doug, uh, well, Doug used to bring me out as his opener all the time for years. And it's pretty hard not to feel like you're, you're definitely one of his subordinates when you're hanging out uh, with Doug. And I mean, he's got, a, he's got a way. I mean, he's, he's got a real. He's just such a master of his craft, you know. Yeah. And he knows the road so well, you know. So back in '99, you know, I was always that's that's when I we did the first gigs in Houston. You know, he brought me to the Houston Laugh Stop, oh, and that was a club. great scene, insane. And uh, yeah, at one point, uh, this is a few years later, but Doug calls me up and he's like, "Hey." uh we found a fucking dog underneath the house, and uh, we're going to call him Henry Phillips. Bye. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, all right. <laughs> and it's been hilarious because, like, there's so many people that just, that know Doug's whole family and his dog, and uh, they just know the dog. They don't even know that there's a guy. And every once in a while, it'll be the source of confusion, like on Twitter. <laughs> I just saw Henry Phillips on Drunk History, and... He was trashed or whatever, and people were like, what? The dog is trashed on TV? What's going on? So it's hilarious. Yeah, Doug has a real, um, I think the word's enigmatic. Yeah. Like personality. Mm-hmm. Like he, there's things, you know, the, I, I, I'm not like this with everybody, but like there are things I would do, like I'm doing a casino. I shouldn't announce this, but <laughs> I'm doing a casino, and then Doug's like, let's do something together. Yeah. I was like, okay. Like, but the very, very few comics that I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm on what would be a day off. No, let yeah. me, I get, but I love, I love hanging out with him, you know, he's oh, just yeah, got yeah. such he's... a great, you know, and everyone, you know, I think Barry Katz would, would describe Doug as having a dark energy. I don't see it as dark. No, I don't think so at all. Yeah. I, it's, I think he has a dark energy. <laughs> <laughs> I've only met him a couple of times, but uh, but I don't know. There's nothing wrong with that either. But uh, yeah, no, I I think Doug's a fun loving, uh, loves to laugh. I mean, yeah, f- it, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, people that have been doing comedy so long forget how to laugh. You know, and Doug is a fantastic laugher. I said to someone the other day, I was doing an interview, and I said, you know, I didn't get into comedy because I liked the riddle of it. Like yeah. the, the, the math of it, mm-hmm. uh, like figuring out a joke. I didn't get in comedy because I wasn't popular in high school and yeah. I have a vendetta against those guys. <laughs> yeah. I said, I got into comics. I really love laughing. I love, yeah. and I like, it was one of the, my favorite, this was the other thing I told my wife. I said, one of the coolest things ever was we were in Dayton and you were playing Wiley's oh, yeah. at the Funny Bone. And I think you just texted me you're like we should do lunch. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we'd. I think we'd run into each other, but never like hung out. Yeah. And you're like, bring your feature. I'll bring mine. Yeah. And we'll just sit and talk. That's right. That was a great time. We went to that killer place that had the the opposite of health food, but it was really good. Oh, it's fantastic! And you told me my favorite story. One of my favorite <laughs> stories I've ever heard. Which one was up? Uh, which one was that one again? The one about uh, our friend Mike. I won't say his last name. I oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that was good. <laughs> that was the best story. I'll tell it right now. Yeah, this is my 
your favorite yeah. fucking story? Oh. Well, yeah, yeah. So this guy was a comedian that we both know. And, uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people out there would know him. It doesn't matter. But uh, he's the one who told me this story that he, he moved into a new place in West Hollywood where they have a lot of, I don't know if they'd call them townhouses, but they're like duplexes and they're all like, I don't know, two or three stories high. And uh, I guess the place that he moved into, his place was one story higher than all the other places. So if you looked out, all you saw was the roof of the place next door. He did, And he, he just moved in. He didn't have any drapes or anything. And he's got the light on and he gets a call from his girlfriend and he starts... Uh, having phone sex and I, Oh yeah. And it was dark outside. So he's, uh, you know, starts doing his thing. Pants come down, starts jerking off, (laughs) goes all the way and finishes and grabs like a Kleenex or something like that. And all of a sudden he hears like a, like a distant crowd of people just going, (laughs) Oh, and he's like, what in the fuck? And he and he kind of like his eyes focus on the window and adjust and then he looks out and he sees that there's an entire party going on on the roof and the building right next to his. So it's like he never thought, well, the roof, like, yeah. as you figure, <laughs> but apparently they've got a barbecue and they've got all these people and they're all watching him. Oh. He's like, what in the fuck? And then he just like immediately dives for the light and then he gets on the floor and he's just like, God damn. And he said like, as he lived in that place for like years after that and every time he would go out on the balcony to like have a cigarette or something, he would hear somebody from the building next to his just like whispering like, that's the fucking dude. That's oh, the that's the best. Yeah. That's my favorite. That guy, that one guy has the best stories ever. Oh, yeah. Come here, Priscilla. Come over here. Don't bother him. Um, this is Priscilla. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's uh, she's big and she looks mean, but she's a, a pup. A oh cupcake. yeah, all good. Do you have a dog? Uh, I I don't know, but we always grew up with dogs. So I'm trying to figure out what she's smelling on you. <laughs> Come here, Pris. Come here. Probably uh, my girlfriend's got cats. So you might. Smell Where are you that. living right now? I live in uh, Olympic and Crescent Heights, so like a little south of the Melrose Improv. There. Oh, nice. Kind of near the Grove and all that. Yeah, that guy, that one guy, and I don't want, I don't want to say his name only because yeah. because <laughs> yeah. he's but he has the he probably best. would be fine with it. I think he's knows. totally yeah. fine. Yeah. He said one time he was doing Last Comic Standing. Did I ever yeah. tell you this? Oh no, I don't know this one. And he's like, he was he called me and I was at the Grove and he's like, uh, he's like, hey, what a uh, <laughs> he goes, what, what what advice can you give me? I'm going in for my primary interview, and I said, just don't shut up. I go, don't yeah. don't like don't. It's not a Barbara Walters interview. They want people that are gonna. Just fucking tell everything. And he's like, really? This I is go, already a great setup for a story. <laughs> he goes, yeah. He goes, really? I said, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't shut up. And I go, and be vulnerable. Tell him everything. Tell yeah. him everything. And he goes, okay. So I go in to see a movie with my family. And then he calls in the middle of the movie. But yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. It must have gone well. So I get out and I call him. I said, how did it go? And he goes, not good. <laughs> really? And he goes, I should have figured talk about positive stuff. <laughs> Their first question is, is it hard being a stand-up? And he just goes, yeah, one time I tried to kill myself. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so they flagged him. That's hilarious. He just shut up. <laughs> oh, he, and he you just know, kept going. You ever hear the story about him and, uh, him and Gary Valentine? No. Oh. I don't know. Oh, this, this is the, the, the... I'm telling you, when I say... I could not me and Gary could not figure out why these types of stories weren't in his act. Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh it's a really 
interesting transition a lot of comics make where it's like all of a sudden your real life becomes your act and all of a sudden everybody's relating a lot more. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and he never so – These like, are damn funny stories. Oh, he, he yeah. goes – one time we're at, we're at Formosa. Me, him, his roommate. Remember his old roommate? Uh, I don't Scott. know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Me, him, Scott, and Gary Valentine. Yeah. And uh, – and we're like, hey, you should come to Vegas with us. And he's like, no, nah, I got a spot at the Hollywood Improv uh, Saturday night. And it's Thursday. We're like, fuck that, dude. <laughs> we're going. Kevin James is in Vegas. We're gonna go. We're gonna we we can get a room off of Kevin. And Gary's like, come on, man, come on. And he's like, no, I'm not going. I'm not going, man. I, it's about getting spots. So Gary's like, this fucking this is what bothers me. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm not gonna say anything. Gary goes out to Santa Monica to get his stuff. <laughs> and me and this guy and Scott go to his house to get Scott's stuff, and we're gonna drop him off. And on yeah. the ride there, he goes, fuck it, I'm gonna go. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. Let's surprise Gary. All yeah. Right? You hide in the back of my navigator, and we'll put luggage on you, and we won't say anything until we get on the interstate. You pop up with a beer and go, surprise. <laughs> so we're like, all right. So he gets in the back. He hides. We're hiding forever. Gary pulls up. Gary gets in the car, and he goes, is he really not going? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, he's not going. He's like, dude, can I tell you what's wrong with him? <laughs> And, oh no! And he starts destroying oh, everything, fuck. and they are best friends at the time. <laughs> and you see, I'm walking, I'm looking in That's the rearview mirror, and I see him off. sit up, like doing this with his head. And then I go, I'm going, Gary, Gary, can you pass me a drink from the back? From the back? And he goes, Hold on, Bertsky, I'm not done. Yeah, this yeah. is what's wrong with his yeah. comedy. And he's like, Oh, oh no! Oh, it was the fucking. Oh, that is he was fucking a awkward. Walking. Have you ever? Oh, the best one. You know the one about. Uh, I, I got you. I'd have to say his fucking name to tell that. Oh, story. I know which one you're you know talking about because I was going to tell that one too. Oh, that's the fucking greatest. I love it. I love uh, it. He had the best stories, <laughs> and he wasn't trying oh, uh, to tell stories. Oh, I know. Well, well, this is what happened. We all did a gig like 12 years ago. This is a different story. Uh, Brian Dunkelman was the headliner. It was right when he was on American Idol. And uh, we're doing this theater show, and he brings a bunch of uh, us L.A. guys out to party with him. You know, I mean, and uh, so have we already said his first name? Or we, we, okay. we said Mike. Yeah, Mike. yeah, okay. So it's, it's Mike. So Mike's out there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the first night, we go to the uh, the Bigfoot um, Lodge. I think it was called. Like There was a bar right next, next to the place. I think even before Mike's act, he was going around asking people like, uh, hey, what's like the bar that everybody goes to? You know, yeah. I want to. So in his act, he's like, yeah, so I was right over here at the Bigfoot and I'm hitting on this girl or whatever. And he's telling stories and the audience is going crazy and they're, they're loving it. After that, we all go to that bar and then we're just partying and he's hitting on everything that moved like like a numbers game just like hey you want to go home to my hotel no all right you want to go back to my hotel how about you you want to go back to my hotel like every single person in the whole thing he finally hooks up with somebody and uh oh man it was such a mess because then we go back to the hotel and apparently she was uh married and uh it's a small town we're like in this town like halfway up uh to big bear and um 
And so, like, the next morning, it's a mess. Because, like, I went in, I think I did, like, some kind of uh, press thing. And then I show up at, like, 7 in the morning. And then he's arguing with the girl about how she's going to get home because she doesn't have a ride. And he's like, just take a cab. It's no big deal. And it's like, she's like, I got kids that have to have their Cheerios and stuff. It's whatever. It's Cheerios. Just get them, you know, whatever. Oh. He's just blowing her off. But anyway, uh, apparently it turned into a whole drama. So the next night, we do the show. You everybody's talking about how this husband guy is uh, is after uh, Mike. <laughs> and uh, you look out into the audience, and it's another great crowd, but it's literally the exact same people. Every single person in the audience were the same people there that were there the night before. Like, this is something that doesn't happen a lot. It's yeah. like, you know, comics coming through their town. And so... Uh, yeah, I remember this husband guy. That that worked itself out because the the guy shows up so drunk and he's like, "Which one was it?" And uh somebody points him out and the the guy was so drunk he wound up falling and like hitting his head and having to get a paramedic to come over. Like the whole it was all fucked up. But the greatest part was that afterward <laughs> there's so many stories within stories in this one. But uh Mike goes up there and he starts doing his act and he's like, uh Hey, everybody. So I was, uh, you know, he's just telling his jokes, you know, yeah. they're not real stories, but he's just like, uh, so, uh, yeah, last night I was over here at the Bigfoot, you know, the, uh, and everybody's like, yeah, and you fucked Susie and her husband's here and he's trying to kick your ass. <laughs> but it's, he's going, shut up, shut up. But he's, he's, he's just trying to get through his joke that says it could be any bar, you know, and then they're all going, oh, he's going to talk about it. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's just using the bar yeah, yeah, and yeah. reference to another joke. And they're all thinking that he's about to just start going into what oh. happened. But yeah, it kind of is like what you're saying about like you're kind of craving, oh, I want some real stuff coming out of this. Because, yeah, no, he had some great stories. But yeah, that one about him. Have you ever had that? I've, I think I've had that too when you're in the hotel and you you don't realize the drapes are completely open and you're oh, just yeah. so comfortable. Like, that's why I related to it so much. I'm like. Oh fuck! I'm on the ground level, and there's like people in the courtyard and shit. I'm oh just, yeah, yeah. That happened to me. There was a, a hotel in Chicago that I used to stay at, and I just assumed you because I could see out. Yeah, uh, I, I couldn't see out really well. Yeah, so you I assume could, they yeah. can't see yeah. either. And I, and, but it was, and I'm walking down, and I see some guy walking around shirtless, <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit, that's been me. And oh, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah, below yeah, totally. him. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, that was. Uh, that, you told me that story at that lunch, and I oh I, man, I love that story. That is so good. He's such an inch. What's and he just doing? Just the now? fact that he had to live there for years after that too. Is it's he like, still doing stand up? Uh, yeah, I see him every now and then. I think he does like these uh, USO tours or something like that. He's such a know. great guy too. Yeah, like, he's the, terrific. The greatest, like most sensitive dude. Yeah, yeah, he's so cool. Yeah, that's fucking great. Wait, where yeah. did you grow up? You grew up in L.A., right? Actually, I was born in New York, and we lived there until. Uh, New York and then Englewood, New Jersey for a little bit and then moved out to L.A. when I was a teenager. So Didn't your dad, was your dad an actor? Yeah, my dad was an actor. Uh, he did a lot of plays in New York and then he got, uh, he randomly got this offer to do a um, a, a play and it was a one-man show. My dad didn't write it. Yeah. Um, but it was a playwright wrote this one-man show and he cast my dad to, to be the guy and he killed it, and uh, and there was there were two shows that they were doing it as like a double header, and the other one was Rhea Perlman doing her one man show, and Danny DeVito was coming every night, and um, 
Danny DeVito just fell in love with my dad, and he was just like, "We got to get you. We got to get you on Taxi." And so uh, my dad did an episode of Taxi called "On the Job," and it's where everybody loses their job uh, at the taxi place, and then they they uh, get their own job. And Elaine goes to work for this guy who's my dad, and it's like this. Uh, beautiful like 12 minute uh you know spot that's kind of all about my dad and it it just like destroyed so he became uh you know a guy who was working a lot as an actor during the, that period of time he every now and then had uh some series that fell through or whatever yeah this this is the classic uh <laughs> this is the classic shoot yourself in the head he he was like really high up in the running to become the coach on cheers and uh right during that time it was one of these like times where everybody kind of wanted him and he got offered to do the movie porky's 2 to play the bad guy and it was gonna pay a shitload of money and it was just over the summer and um in order to do it uh he had to basically just uh take himself out of the running now we don't know if he would have been the coach or not but it in in hindsight, it looks like it probably would have been my dad because he was Holy he was their favorite, yeah. Fuck. And uh, but they did eventually put him on a Cheers, and then and then there was another show that the Charles Brothers came up with called All Is Forgiven, and my dad was a regular on that, and lasted one season, and that's the end of it. And uh, this sounds really lame for me to say, but I, from a selfish standpoint, am completely fine with it because I. If I would have been a, in no offense to our actor friends out there or kids of actors, but I, I would have been one of those guys. Like we, my dad's a famous sitcom guy, and then we're living in, you know, on Mulholland or something. And I'm having, you know, I, I, I don't think I ever really would have been, you know, a guy who went out and struggled as much as I did. You know, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not, but I just feel like. I probably would have never wanted for anything ever, you know, like it's a lot of these kids. It's a really you know? hard part. I have friends <clears throat> who grew up wealthy. Yeah. I didn't grow up wealthy. I grew. Up, I didn't grow up n- poor, but I didn't grow up wealthy. Like, we had a nice house. Yeah. We didn't have any furniture in it. Yeah, yeah. And so... And so... And where and like, was that? In Tampa. Oh, in Tampa, yeah. Yeah, like, my dad represented the Church of Scientology. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and they... They were billed up for a ton of money, and so my dad and they paid, and then my and so my dad had a chunk of money, and so he put like a hundred and thirty thousand, which is a lot yeah. in the eighties, into this like three bedroom, four bedroom house, mm-hmm. two bath, two and a half bath, th- no maybe f- three and a half baths, really nice house, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. But then the church welched, and they wouldn't they they fired him and said, "No, nah, we're not going to pay you." Oh. And my dad was like struggling. And I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. <clears throat> but my friends who grew up wealthy and they're all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I'm getting at. I'm 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 also thinking of friends of mine that uh, that grew up wealthy and are fucked up. And I feel like if they're listening to this, they're going to be like, "Fuck you, man." <laughs> but, it's, it's, uh, it's the hard true. thing to do is like is like to raise kids and teach them to have wants and needs and values. Yeah, you got to be hungry, man. Especially yeah, you be doing hungry. what we're doing. Yeah, it's like. God, how easy would it be, like, when you start comedy to just not bother going to a place like – because I remember, like, going to – like, in L.A., it's – what's weird about starting in L.A. is that that whole idea of, like, going on the road, you know, like, doing, yeah. like, the the circuit or whatever is just, like, a big mystery. It's like, I don't know how anybody – it's like, 
in order to go on the road, you have to you have to be on a plane. That's the only way you're going to do it. And there's yep. no gigs that come around, so you're going to like Riverside or Bakersfield or something to do a gig for like a hundred bucks. But yeah, it'd be pretty easy if I didn't need the hundred bucks to be like, ah, fuck it. No, I don't feel like driving all the way out there. But you know, I said to someone, someone said to me the other day. Uh, they said, I said, yeah, you can, you can come, you can do the road with me. And they're like, how, I wish I could remember who this was. But I go, you can come do the road with me. And they're like, how much does it pay? And I was like, in my head, I was like, I've never, I, don't, I never asked that. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah. yes, definitely. It's, yeah. it's, <clears throat> it's more than I'm getting not doing comedy and I want to do comedy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> I mean, I, 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 I know who it was. I won't say his name. Yeah. But he was saying, we were talking and I, he was like, he was like, yeah, I don't know if I can afford to do that gig. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I go, hey man, I, I didn't make money doing comedy until like, I, I was, I, I want to say, I, I, I said until this weekend, like I, yeah. I was always in the red doing stand up. Oh, like yeah. always. And I, I've, I just, that's the reason I took travel channel, you know, cause yeah. I was like, I was like, I needed money. I oh, had yeah. two kids. And I had an apartment that we were that my wife was working a, a job so she could pay for the that was paid yeah. for the rent, and I was like, yeah, I got to take this show. Yeah, no, you got to Yeah, well, like for me, for the first five years, it was just developing this act that started in like uh, coffee houses where I I would uh, I was just part of this whole singer songwriter scene, and there'd be open mic nights where they had singer songwriters, but they'd have comics also. And so I'd see a couple of comics come through, but for the most part, I was trying to do this thing where I was like making fun of the singer, the serious singer songwriter thing. Yeah, and it was it it went over really well there. I had to adjust it a lot in order to make it work in a comedy club because it's kind of like a troll. Like for the first two minutes, you'd watch it and think, "Oh, okay, this is just a regular singer guy," and yeah. then all of a sudden, it's like, "Oh, wait." Oh, are we getting fucked with right now? Oh, this is a total joke. Like this guy yeah. can't be serious, you know. And that's the way it was. But um, yeah. So about five years of developing that, and then uh, then I I started meeting a lot of comics. And I, Bud Friedman came to see one of my shows at this place called the Genghis Cohen. I don't know if you I know remember that. Genghis Cohen. Yeah, to, yeah. I used to go over there. I watch comedy all the time. But I, I could yeah. never get up there because I didn't know anyone. Yeah, well, I was doing it still as a musician. Like, I would book my hour, you know, show or whatever, and I'd have basically just an hour set of comedy songs. And then uh, Bud Friedman came and watched it one time, and then he invited me to go to the improv, and then that's when I started hanging out with all the comics. I met Doug. Doug was funny because he was like, because we became pals, and then he was like, uh, yeah, man, I didn't want to see your act for like, couple of years of us hanging out because I knew it was going to suck. <laughs> and I was like, it's going to be pretty hard to be friends with this guy. But then when he finally did, he was like, oh, that's pretty funny shit. And then he started bringing me out on the road. Yeah. So yeah, I went to Houston, Minneapolis, all these other gigs. And uh, yeah, then everything got really fun from that point on. But yeah, I was God, just I would love so. to have been around the improv. In 99, I was just started. I just started comedy. Yeah. In like I started comedy and I think in in I think I started in 99. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, in 99 Doug has an album called Something to Take the Edge Off and I play guitar throughout the whole thing like from beginning all the way to the end. And that is exactly the comedy set that Doug was doing the couple years prior to that when we were hanging out and 
we'd go to places like the Goldfinger, which is one of these uh, weird bars in Hollywood, and it was like all dark, and there'd be occasional sightings of like celebrities and stuff. But it was like a, all of a sudden a really interesting side of L.A. that I never really saw because Doug was willing to go to the, like it wasn't the improv, it wasn't the Genghis, it was like this weird bar, you know, just yeah. like club type thing. Like Daryl Hannah was there, I remember one night, and like. But yeah, Doug was doing this really, really edgy, dark stuff, and it worked there really well. And I was just playing guitar throughout the back of it, and we captured it at the at the Houston. We finally did it in Houston, and it was it's a great album still. And it it's like there used to be that guy Chuck that used to work in Houston. Do you remember him? Oh yeah, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, bass player. Yeah, he used to yeah, play yeah. bass for Mitch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I know Chuck. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I, and, remember, uh, I remember one of his jokes so vividly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I took I was took a an erection pill called Cialis. They say if it lasts longer than four hours, I'm gonna. They call a doctor. Fuck that! I'm gonna see Alice. I'm gonna see Alice. <laughs> I'm gonna see Jenny. I'm gonna see. Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's like you can remember one joke. Oh, I guys. know, dude. It just sticks with you forever. I I think I was talking to uh, Todd Glass about that very thing about like. There needs to be like a coffee table book of like the best of of the the guys that just have those jokes that you can only remember one of them, you yeah. know, because there's so many great ones. I mean, I, I've met I remember back then seeing comics at open mic night that their entire set was kind of nothing. But there'd be one just beautiful gem in there that once they quit doing it, it's never there anymore. The there one that always comes to mind is this guy, Danny Lamore, who's out of uh, Nashville. I'm not sure if he still does stand up anymore, but he should because he's great. But he, he has this joke that's so good. He goes, um, I got a dog and I named him Drew Barrymore because I always wanted to tell people I fucked Drew Barrymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that one joke is just so good. It, it can't possibly die. I'm doing the best I can to keep it alive, but I, I think you could do a coffee table book and you yeah. just have all these jokes like that. There was a guy, Patrick Melton, oh, yeah? from Tampa. I, I don't know. I, he had a, you saw, I don't think he, I know him. He has a podcast. You know him? I don't. Oh, he has a podcast called Nobody Likes Onions. Oh, yeah? And uh, he had a joke. His joke was, uh, the Democrats are trying to put a black guy and a white chick in the White House? <laughs> I'm still trying to get comfortable with it in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I love, there's a guy, uh, Jason Dixon. He uh, runs the Richmond Funny Bone. Oh, I'm yeah? gonna see him this weekend. I'll be, oh, be cool. in Richmond this weekend. And he uh, he's he was a comic for a long time. <clears throat> Up until like uh, like a couple years ago, he started. He just was like, you know what? Fuck it. Um, I, I'll I'll still do comedy every now and then, but I I just want a job. I want to run a Funny Bone and yeah. just work. So he started working it. I think in like Cincinnati, and then moved down to Richmond. And he has he knows all the old jokes. Oh yeah, and dude. He he's got from guys that were like in the eighties, and he, we were saying you know it's really sad that all these great jokes just disappeared. There, yeah, there's guys like uh, I got set up on a blind date with like an actual blind person. He's like I started liking her, but after a while I had to break up with her. I don't know how you break up with a blind chick. I just took her to the mall and let go of her hand. <laughs> like all these great That's old jokes. Great. There sh really should be a coffee table book of that. Like, Oh and, yeah. And, and, then, like, like, there, and there was guys that he was, Jason was telling me, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, fuck. I was like, he was t just going through and just going, Oh, you should have seen this guy. This guy was really great. This guy was really great. Yeah. 
and then a lot of them pass away, and then all this great material is just... Oh, I know. It's gone. Or, yeah. But, yeah, going back to what you're saying about laughing, I mean, that's me, too. Yeah. I just, like, yeah, like, when we had lunch that time in Dayton, or just, like, hanging out after a show with comics, it's like, that's all it's all about. It's all about laughing. Yeah. And I love it. Fuck, uh, Brendan Walsh was just telling me that... See, now, this sucks, because I can't remember the name of the guy that he's quoting, but if anybody out there knows, then they can tell you, but... uh this dude in New York that he saw that had this joke where the guy was fuck is this is this okay to tell some joke that a friend told and I can't even remember the name of the guy I'm sure whoever it is you're a genius and you need to make it make it known that this is your bit but uh he's like uh I was on the subway and I was sitting in the disabled uh you know seat and this deaf guy comes up to me and he's like hey you know and I assume he's pissed off, but I'm like, you know, you're deaf, so it's not really a kind of disability where you have to be sitting down. You know, yeah. it's like, and the guy's like, what the fuck? And then um, I was kind of embarrassed afterward because then I looked down and I remembered I was wearing my fuck deaf people shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brendan Walsh! I probably butchered it, but anyway, Brendan Walsh is one of those guys that is like, he is. He, I think he has the same spirit that me and you have yeah. that Stan Hope has where, like, he really is, like, his fucking prank calls make me Oh, howl. man. Yeah, he's Laughing. a genius. Yeah. Brandon's I wanted to fantastic. do I wanted to do prank calls. My daughter started doing prank calls, mm -hmm. and I wanted to have them prank call Brendan, but let Brendan know. Oh, that would be and awesome. And so he could fuck with my kids. Oh, so it turns around. Yeah, and watch them just, like, oh, <laughs> I think that would be fucking great. <laughs> oh, dude, that would be the ultimate. Yeah, I love that. So I got to talk to you about my favorite thing you've ever done. And you already know what it is. Uh, what's that? The easily. The favorite thing you've ever done. Uh, the loner. Oh, the loner. Yeah, yeah. It is the greatest. Oh, thanks. I oh, to, that's right. I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. I used to take it into meetings that's and right. show people. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, uh, so this is, it's so funny because like way back. I can't in find like, it anywhere online. Yeah. Oh, it's on YouTube. It's yeah, on YouTube? The Loner. It's all on YouTube. How, what's, how, what do you type in to find it so that people Just can put, uh, put Henry Phillips The Loner. And Henry Phillips The Loner. Actually, if you go to my, my channel, I've got a whole, um, like a, what do you call it? A playlist of them. Yeah, there's five of them. They're all like two-minute segments. It's me at the bar, kind of like ba loosely based on real things that have happened to me. But uh, I'm just sort of playing this loser, and generally I'll see somebody do something, and then I'll try to do it myself. Because that's always my favorite is when somebody is trying to trying to do the right thing, but they yeah. fuck it up. You know, I've just always been a fan of that kind of thing. But, like. IFC, I guess, was trying to get on the ground floor of like the internet, so they saw it coming and they commissioned a couple people to make short form content for the for their website. And so my buddy Greg and I, Greg who? Uh, yeah. uh, Greg Viennes is also the guy who directed the movies uh, Punching the Clown and uh, and Punching Henry. But uh, but so yeah, we did it and. Um, Everybody that saw him loved him. This is like in 2000, but nobody, not a lot of people saw him because nobody really understood the internet. You know, it's like nobody's connection was fast enough that you could actually stream it, you know, which oh. is for humor. It's like, it's got to be that. You couldn't download it. So their idea was great, but it wasn't, it, it, it was going to take several years before people started getting used to watching that kind of stuff. It stinks that there's but, a um, bunch of content out there that was made in 2000, 2002. Three, yeah. like I made, a, I made a TV show, Hurt Burt, where yeah. it was, it was like four minute clips, 
Yeah. And the network's note was, who's going to sit and watch something for four minutes? They want to watch 22 minutes of it. Yeah, You need to make (laughs) long-form stories. And I was like, fuck. And then as soon as the internet – I remember MySpace came out, and I was like, fuck. I just started putting them on MySpace, and they were getting hundreds of thousands of views. And I was like, like, fuck. Oh, yeah, man. It's – that, yeah, we put. Uh, I think we might have put ours on MySpace also. They were on your website, is how I got them. Yeah, yeah, I got them off your website, and it is, it is, it is, in my, in my, it is the pinnacle of what I've ever wanted to do. It, that it made me laugh oh, so man. hard, and it was Thanks so brilliant, so and so, so smart, and so soft and so tasteful yeah. and so like everything and it was so easy to wrap your head around that yeah. like i started i would say to myself i want to see a hundred of these yeah no man oh so what was the i think like, it was more tell me which one well okay so like uh, there used to be this bar that i would hang out at called the lava lounge do you remember that yeah was that on yeah was that on La- it was on la brea, la brea and uh sunset yeah, yeah just the a lava little more. lounge it's called the woods now yeah but that was a great bar, and I used to go there, and I would always feel like such an outsider. And it's like, it's so ironic when you look back, and it's like, it, w- your twenties is when you're trying to meet girls the most, and it's like you just don't know anything. It's like you're just scaring them away yeah. with this dumb shit. Like now, as a forty-seven-year-old guy, I can look back and go, "What were you doing?" But I remember literally there was a, there was a moment where there was a guy <laughs> that I was I was sitting next to a guy at the bar, and a girl came up and uh, tried to order a drink and she was beautiful, gorgeous and she smelled good and she had jewelry on and everything like that and this guy, this guy was like real smooth dude, he was actually from New York I think he had that kind of a little bit of an edge to him and he goes, he says he's a really good looking guy that never hurts, you know he's just like uh, will you just get out of here, says that to the girl and the girl's like, what what are you talking about? Well, I'm out here with my buddy. We're having a drink and we're talking about how lonely we are and all these beautiful women everywhere. And then here comes you with the most beautiful scent of Jasmine and your lovely smile and your beautiful golden hair. And just when we're trying to forget, you know, just don't make this hard on us. Just get out of here. And then she's liking it he's doing it in a really good way and uh then they start chatting and then he's like let me buy you a drink and then they kind of pair off and so then uh <laughs> a little bit later on i was thinking all right i think i could do this you know i'm gonna try that one well, this is a fucking genius line this yeah. is great i'm gonna do it and so then some girl comes over and i'm i'm kind of drunk and i'm just like get out of here <laughs> she's like what fuck you and I'm like, no, nah, just get out of here. You just, the way you smell, the way you look, like everything about you, just want you to get out of here. And she's like, fuck that guy. <laughs> and then she just takes off and I'm like, the way God, smell, the way you look, get out of here. <laughs> just everything about you. Just get out of here. Uh, yeah. I fucked that one up. And then, uh, and then uh, the other class, I'll just tell one more, but, uh, the other classic was when, um, a buddy of mine told me about this one. He was like, "Dude, this is what you do. This is the this is the way you open up a conversation. Just take any personal belongings. Like, you know, I had my camera, and I just said, "Hey, I I gotta go to the bathroom. Do you mind uh, watching my camera? It's kind of expensive. And uh, are you guys gonna be here for a while?" And these girls are like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I don't know what." It just like I started talking, and it was just like I opened it up, and I was like, uh, "I'm quoting this other guy, by the way." Yeah. So he's like. 
Now, don't uh, steal my camera now. I don't want you girls, you know, going off and taking a bunch of wild naked pictures of yourself. And then, uh, you know, I find them later, you know, and then they're laughing. And then and then it's on. He's just like and then he comes back and he knows the girls and then they're buying shots and doing whatever. So I tried. I'm sitting next to this beautiful black girl. Um, And I don't know. The the other the reason it didn't work with me is that. uh I think I, I I had my jacket there, and I was like, uh, "Hey, can you watch my jacket? I'm gonna go to the bathroom." And then she's like, "Why don't you just take it with you?" I don't know. I want to save my seat. And there's like, there's tons of seats. You yeah, know, it's already going wrong from the beginning. But then I was like, "All right, uh, hey, don't steal it." And she's like, "Don't steal your jacket? Why am I gonna fucking steal your jacket?" No, you know, I mean, just don't, I don't want you to take my jacket or my stuff, you know, and don't steal my beer or whatever. I'm not going to, fuck you. And then it, it got racial really quick, and I was just like, oh, God damn. But, uh, it was the, yeah. They were the, they're the best. I was looking for them the other night. They're so good because they're so, it is the subtlest. <laughs> and, it's, and it was, the at the time, I was uh, writing shorts. Me and my buddy Croy were writing shorts. Oh, yeah. And ours were so complex, that, and they were always had like massive homosexual undertones. Oh yeah, and and we couldn't, we couldn't crack the code of like how to translate humor onto the screen. Yeah, like we'd have a funny idea and we laugh, and then when we shoot it, it just wasn't funny. Oh, I know the feeling, man. No, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what that secret is. It's just you get lucky sometimes. But what I've noticed is because I've at this point tried to put every story on film, and sometimes it it kills, and then sometimes it just it comes so. Uh, what's always depressing is when you tell people the story and they laugh way harder than they did when they were watching it on the yeah. screen. It's like, damn, what what's missing about it? I think part of it is that when you tell it in real life, then everybody knows you and they know that it really happened, and there's a sincerity there. So if you can capture that somehow, that's yeah. good. But it's like. Yeah, it's not easy. I told uh, I was, I told this idea that uh, we were going to shoot one time in a meeting. I was pitching another show, and I, and I told this idea of this thing that me and Croy were going to shoot about me and him. That I call him, and I, I have a a prostitute who's died in my in my house, yeah. and I need him to help me get rid of the body. <laughs> and so we wrap her up in a sheet, and we carry her out to the trunk of my car. And then we run back and we grab flashlights and shovels. And as we go to throw the flashlights and shovels in the trunk, she starts coming too. (laughs) And Croy just takes a shovel and hits her over the head. And he goes, that was a close call. (laughs) And and I told it in a a pitch meeting. And the guy goes, please tell me you're pitching that because I'll buy it. I went, no. (laughs) I pitched some shit show. Oh, that's funny. Oh, so that wasn't even the pitch? I was just telling him, like, I was like, the whole pitch was, I'm such an idiot. It was a show I, 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 I ended up selling it called The Process about two young filmmakers each making three minute shorts based on the same log line. Yeah. So, and I would be the studio. So I would give them the exact same amount of money, the exact same log line, and they had to make it based off that. But they also had to deal with me being like stereotypical studio, like my cousin wants to be in it. Yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I need a, and you know what's selling right now? Gorillas. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, oh yeah, they love uh, doing that. He passed on it. But he was like, he was like, you should have pitched me that fucking thing. And I was like, wait, but I did. And he's like, no, you didn't. And I was like, uh-huh. oh, man. 
Yeah, sometimes it's the it's like the simplest thing. Sometimes you overthink things. Like, uh, yeah, I remember actually going back to Doug. This is one of the one of the great things that he did for me is that he he had a show called When Hidden Cameras Attack, and it was a hidden camera show, obviously, and uh, and it was great. Doug was fantastic doing that, and uh, he got me to write the theme song for this recurring segment. Which was great. It was network TV, and I wrote the theme songs. And um, but <laughs> now I'm going. Why the fuck did I bring it up? It wasn't just a name drop. Uh, <laughs> wait, let's backtrack just for a second. So, um, oh yeah, yeah. So I pitched them like three different theme songs, and the first two were just so overcomplicated, you know. And yeah. they were just kind of like and. I, those were going to be the two that I was going to submit, but they said that they wanted three options. So for the third one, I wrote it in like 30 seconds. And it was just like, beware of Doug. You know, it was just something really yeah. silly. And that's the one that they went from. They're like, oh, man, that's great. You know, and I was so yeah. surprised. I was like, that's the one that I was just, I just came up with that really fast because I knew I needed three of them. But it's like, yeah, sometimes like the quickest thing the simplest thing is the best one. What's, so so then what What was like, because I remember seeing the trailer to Punching the Clown. Yeah. What's the connection between Punching the Clown and Punching Henry? Well, Punching the Clown is a movie, that, a full-length movie that we did back in 2008. And that was you on the road, right? Uh, no, it was, uh, they're both similar. It was, it was me being a road guy and then showing up to L.A. and all of a sudden crashing at my brother's place and we, and trying to get a record deal. And so I'm treated a little bit more as a musician in that one. And I, I eventually get with this novelty record company that, uh, tries to, um, compare me to this other guy, stupid Joe, who, uh, was played by my buddy, Mark Cohen. And, Mark uh, Cohen. yeah, Wait, Mark Cohen's in, he's stupid Joe and punching him. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So yeah, he was kind of reprising his role, but, uh, yeah. And the first one, he's just, I keep getting this DVD shoved in my face from this their their star client stupid joe and how just keep hearing about how he sells so much you know and but it's like his stuff is all just these basic parody songs you know just like uh tried to take a shit totally ripped a big fart you know like all that kind of thing and then i keep trying to explain to him yeah no what i do is just different it's kind of slower and you know and um so we we made that movie back in 2008. It didn't it was on Netflix for a couple of years so there's people out there that really dig it that but it it never really made any money or got any kind of really wide distribution and um when it was on Netflix that was pretty cool. But the whole thing kind of came and went and um Greg the director and I but we made a lot of good friends during that period of time. Sarah Silverman was a huge fan of that first movie and then Mike Judge and um all but and tig and all these people and so we were like well let's make another one you know and then maybe we we can get you know a little bit more action this time around so we got a studio involved mike judge uh who i'm not a i'm not a guy who's good at uh asking for favors but i i did in this case because he had told me that he liked the movie and we knew that um so he, so he agreed to do a cameo in it which is cool he plays the sound guy. We put it like a, a ponytail on him. And uh, and then he actually sent an email to J.K. Simmons just saying like, hey, man, you got to see their first movie and then read the script for this one. I think this is going to be pretty good. And uh, and J.K. Simmons blew us away. But he's like, yeah, I'll do it. You know? Yeah, that was and a big. It was right before he won the Oscar, but he actually was 
definitely had there was a lot of buzz that he was going to win an Oscar and uh it was after Whiplash and uh yeah so that everything got rolling there and then Doug Stanhope uh, agreed to do a great part in it playing a cab dispatcher and he he nailed it that is so fucking and, uh, funny. yeah that what? was fun yeah <laughs> Wait, <clears throat> that was so break down that scene because that's that's the perfect that is the what you know the one thing that i think that's so cool about about you is that you do you always do come from this one kind of point <laughs> yeah, of view like you, it's true yeah it's the uh like I, I'm trying to I'm trying to make it like I'm not doing anything to instigate this. There's just shitty things happening around me. It's so funny that because I, I I'd had a conversation um, a long time ago. A company had asked to wanted to do the machine as a movie. Oh, yeah. and I was like I was like yeah. And then the guy said in the me- in the meeting he goes um, he goes I love the machine and he goes and I love the Tracy Morgan story. And at the time there's another comic telling that story. That it happened to him, and no, and no oh, one knew wow. that, and no, I knew that, yeah, and some other people knew that, but it wasn't common knowledge. Everyone just thought it had happened to that guy, yeah. And I said, "That's interesting that you said that you like that story. How did you know that was my story?" And he goes, "Are you kidding me? Your character is hilarious." And he goes, I can, any, I can put you in any situation. You're the guy who thinks he's doing the right thing, gets way yeah, in yeah, over his yeah. head, and then has to get out and gets out by the skin of his teeth. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, oh shit, I never saw that. And when I saw the the loner and and punching punching the clown, there was the one one part where you go in and they have you VR vo- voice record. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Over yeah. the bad word. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, t- I think I told you I was in the same situation where I had to do that, and I ended up saying the bad word again too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it's it's just like, uh, yeah. That that one happened to me. I was in uh, KFI. God, I would love to be able to just like see if they have archives of all this shit because it's so it's it was so devastating to me at the time, but then it wound up being so funny afterward. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, she she had this crazy idea that she was going to duck the music right when it, when my CD that they were playing said shit and uh and I'm supposed to say poop over it and, and so it was such a terrible idea, but uh, we miss it completely. So it just says shit. You know, this is on KFI. This is like going up to, you know, the entire Southern California area. And uh, so I, I lean in and instead of saying poop, I just went shit. And I'm just like, oh, man, I just made it even worse. And then she's freaking out. But, yeah, that that one I feel like was, was one of the ones that uh, that came out funny on the screen, too. That was the, that's that is hilarious. But the Doug, you're the you and Doug breakdown is so funny. Oh, yeah. So that's that's based on a true thing, too. My buddy uh, Patrick Keene and I were out one night and uh, we were like drinking and then we were at a Denny's and then um, he called a cab and it didn't uh, show up. It was like an hour and, and it's raining and everything. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to call a cab. Too. Yeah. And then I, I get this dispatcher on the phone and it's like, yeah, we need a cab. We're at the Denny's on, uh, you know, Wilshire or whatever. And the guy's like, now, is this the same guy? Are you with the same guy that, that already called? Are you the same party? And I'm like, no, no, it's totally different. <laughs> so there I'm, I'm lying. And then the guy's like, all right, because I don't want to send two cabs. You know, we're working on it, but, you know, I don't want to have both of you guys get in one cab and then fucks over my other driver. And I'm like, no, nah, no. Nah. And I'm thinking whatever whatever cab comes first, we're going to jump in it and that'll be their problem. So both cabs show up at the exact same time and we're both going 
back to Patrick's place to crash. So we just get in one, and the other one screeches <laughs> off. And then my phone rings, and it's this cab dispatcher guy going, Hey, uh, yeah, this is Henry. Hey, dickhead, I told you. We don't, I don't want to send out two cabs to the same fucking place. You said that you weren't. You know, you yeah. lied. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I've got a cab dispatcher calling. It's like, and I'm like, dude, we're waiting there for an hour. I don't give a shit. This isn't yeah. my problem. And I hang up. And then I realize, oh, yeah, the next morning, I couldn't find my phone. And uh, so I'm like, God damn it. I got to call. And so I called the cab dispatcher. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it's the same guy. And I'm like, yeah, so I think I left my phone in one of your cabs. And he's like, yeah. Where where'd you guys get picked up? And I was like, it's the Denny's on uh, Wilshire. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. This is the guy who ordered two cabs. And then he starts ripping <laughs> on me again. But then while I'm there, <clears throat> while I'm calling him, all of a sudden my phone rings. So I'm like, oh, good. I've got my phone. You know, actually, uh, you know what? I take it back. Fuck you. I don't, I, don't get, I don't need the fucking phone. And then I hang up. And then I have my phone. And then I just do a little bit more waking up, have coffee. And then I'm like... Holy shit, now where's my fucking wallet? Did I leave my wallet in the goddamn cab? Fuck. And then I had to call the guy again. I don't think we ever retrieved the wallet, or I think we wound up founding that, finding that someplace else. But, uh, but yeah, so we, told, oh. we basically told that, and, and Doug was perfect. But you know what's funny about that particular scene is I think that it's, it's kind of L.A. specific. I, I certainly know that people in New York aren't, aren't familiar with having to call a cab dispatcher. Yeah. Maybe they are. I don't know. But uh, that was such a thing here before, like, Uber. Like, I would call the cab, and I'd be waiting. Like, a bar would be done at, like, 2 a.m., and then I'd be stuck there for an hour waiting oh, for this yeah. fucking cab to show up, and there's nothing that you can do. And they held all the cards. They, they'd they turn off the meter and, and uh, renegotiate the fee and everything. And I remember so many times calling the the companies like cab dispatcher and getting in these heated arguments with these guys that was that's very la you know what else is very la have you ever had your car towed and had to go get it from that that real fat dude on <laughs> yeah. melrose in santa monica or oh, santa monica uh, i did i did have this happen a couple of times yeah there was one there was one called like easy time towing or something like that oh it's always called something convenient like quick tow it's like yeah you fucking towed it quick man that guy was an ass yeah he was so condescending and mean that you'd go in even with like a positive attitude yeah and he'd still be a fucking dick and i remember me and my buddy croy i got my truck towed because i left it at a bar one night yeah and it's there and we had had Croy's car had been towed a month before and Croy had told him off and been like fuck you and we went in and the same yeah. guy and he recognizes me and Croy and he's like oh, oh you guys fuck man yeah and he's like yeah I don't know if we can find your car it's gonna take a while <laughs> yeah and it took it took like five hours so we went over to Z there's a Zanku chicken right around there yeah went to Zanku chicken and you had to pay in cash you couldn't use a credit card oh, and geez. Croy's like hey I, I gotta take a shit Croy goes Wipe your wipe your ass with the money. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, wipe your ass with the money. That's so I was like, great. oh, good call. So I take a shit. I wipe, but then I wipe all the money on my asshole. Yeah. And then go in and I go, here you go. And the guy just licks his finger and starts counting. And I was ah. like, ah, fuck my dick. That's fucking great. Fucking asshole. Yeah. What a fucking dick. Yeah. No, I, I've ever, had it happen a couple of times. Have you ever thought about living in New York at all? Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it's the right pace for me. I mean, I was born there, lived there, 
till I was about 10 and then we moved to uh, New Jersey. But And I, I was dating a girl in New York who was a bartender in New York for about two years. And I don't know. I I almost I, – I probably would be dead if I, if I lived in New York. I mean it's like the bars never close. There's so many of them. They're so fun. I, I just probably would just be a big mess. At least out here, you can, I am you can when only I go to yeah. New York. I'm oh a yeah, mess. no, I go there as a visitor. Well, all my friends that drink just quit drinking. You know, that live in New York, and so oh, really, I, yeah, because I guess it's just too out of control. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's way. It's and you know what the, the problem with New York I always found was that Coke was so easy to get a hold of. Oh yeah, like that was the big. <clears throat> you know, that was like the. It seemed like the program. The last time I went back, <clears throat> it was. It was so funny. My uh, old, the guy that we used to buy cocaine from called me uh, when I was in New York. He said, hey, yeah, you're in New York. I'm coming to your show. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, yeah, I'm married. I have two kids. I don't party like that anymore. And he was like, <laughs> oh, that doesn't matter. But uh, but the thing was, you'd drink in, in New York until like two, and you still had two more hours of drinking, and that's when everyone would start doing coke, like one, yeah. or, one or two. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be like, oh, we just got to go all night. So so did you did you – Sell the movie to Netflix originally, or did? Is um, it, did well, the Netflix... first one we did festivals, and we actually won an audience award from Slam Dance, and in two thousand nine, and then um, eventually comics just started tweeting about it. You know, uh, Stan Hope and Mike Birbiglia and Sarah Silverman tweeted about it, and then it, um, that's that was when we finally got uh, called from a distributor. Saying, "Hey, what do you guys got going over here? I think we could, you know, work with you." And so they they put it on Netflix. But you know, it's uh, it's got. I I feel like it's a little bit of a scam though. Like in the beginning, Netflix used to buy movies directly from the filmmakers. Yeah, which I guess could be problematic because you don't really have a filtering process. But then eventually, they just went completely to buying them from distributors and the distributors know that the, the only way you're going to get your film seen is by going through them so they take a huge cut out of it and i think now you can even pay like a a, a guy like five grand and get it on netflix or something oh, like for that. real yeah i think so i think there's uh see because i i think it's good i think the only thing i thought was i was like i i don't know i i go i get on netflix every now and then like and on the road yeah and it came up, and I went, "Oh fuck yeah!" I think I texted you right then. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, let's." Okay, you know, it's just one of those things that <clears throat> it's. I was like, "Oh fuck, we should podcast." And then I was like, "Oh, I'll watch the movie, and we can talk about the movie." Oh, that's I great. love the fucking movie, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's great." It's got to help with the road and like getting people to come out to shows. Yeah, I mean, I don't. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, for sure. With the first movie, when that when that got on Netflix. I was like getting recognized at airports and like um yeah I remember walking to San I was going to do my gig at the punchline in San Francisco and I had my guitar on my back and there's like this dude walking by who was like a businessman you know he's like a guy with a briefcase and a suit and he was just like oh hey I just watched your movie on Netflix that was great and I'm like cool well, I'm going to do a show and he's like yeah all right <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> so I don't know if it really translated into numbers but uh but it was definitely really, really cool. Uh, it was like the first thing that I had done where, you know, it seemed like it hit like the mass market to a certain extent Yeah. in New York. And there's all, there's all these great uh, fans in New York, you know, that are just fans of that movie. And um, so it definitely helped a lot. 
but like anything else, you just you got to keep putting stuff out there. It never ends, you know. Yeah. What are you? What are you gonna? What is, what's your plan? Well, I have a web series. I have a couple web series. I have my Henry's Kitchen, which is fun. You know, I just it's basically uh, play this kind of uh, just pathetic, you know, bachelor single dude uh, teaching how to make uh, chili and shit like that, and with bad quality and everything. And I love doing that. I and I put out a whole soundtrack album, and I sell merchandise and everything, and. I also have another one called You and Your Fucking Coffee, which is a little bit more of a uh, upscale, like, you know, higher production value. I do those through Jash. And, uh, yeah, they're Josh is kind great. of, yeah, it's great. And so it's back to that two minute, you know, kind of like the loner thing where I'm, but instead it's like I, I asked somebody for a cup of coffee and it sort of sets off this chain reaction where it winds up by the end just fucking up everybody's life because I asked, you know. Yeah. It seems to be true though too when you when you just casually go to a place that doesn't necessarily sell coffee and it's like yeah do you guys have coffee that like they get this look on their face like fuck yeah 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 well, um let me go to the back and get the fucking thing and you know yeah. plug it in and, and whatever and then it's sort of so that's what this whole series is about but I'm always trying to just keep keep crank, crank cranking out stuff and I do the road of course too Wait, what roads what 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 is, uh well, did you do Bob I got, and Tom? Uh, yeah. Bob yeah. and Tom was a big. I started deal. doing that in the early two thousands. Yeah, that's that, a real. That's a game changer. Yeah, I got a <clears> ton <throat> of work out of that. So, yeah, my stomping grounds since then have been like, uh, yeah, all the Ohio, you know, Dayton, Cincinnati, you know, Indianapolis, um, Kentucky, Illinois, Missouri, all that kind of Who stuff. Who were the comics? It was you. I think in that time, Birbiglia. I think Bob Briggerstaff was the one working with you, right? Yeah, was that Bob? Was oh, when Bob? we were in Dayton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Bob? Wait, and who was I with on my end? I'm trying to remember now. My memory is so insulting fucking bad. Somebody. Shit. But um, yeah, no, that was a good time. But when you were doing the Bob and Tom roast or Bob and Tom, oh, maybe Josh tours. Branham. It might have been Josh Branham that we were hanging out with. It was a funny dude. That group of comics was. It was like you, Tosh, uh, Mike. Mike uh, Berbiglia. Oh yeah, I want to say even Stanhope for a second. Well, didn't he do some Bob and Tom stuff? Oh yeah, he was on there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Greg Hahn. Yeah, Greg Hahn's great. Well, Greg, Florida guy, right? Greg yeah. Hahn. Greg Hahn uh, is. I'm in Louisville. There's a lot of stories about Greg too. Really? Well, probably not nearly as colorful as the Mike ones. But, He's. Uh, uh, he. I saw. The, I first saw him in New York, and. He was, he was with Todd Berry. I want to say, I want to say he was Todd Berry because it was a Florida connection. Yeah, but he was with someone that was like a was like a New York comic, respected yeah. New York comic. And he goes to the um, he goes to the Boston Comedy Club, which was predominantly Puerto Rican and black. Yeah, and with some college kids in it, and. Uh, he goes up, and Patrice O'Neill and Rich Voss are in the back. And Greg Humphrey, those of you who don't know, his act is very high energy, silly, goofy, clean. It's not like, but it's just real, like. Oh yeah, it's to, it's to me, it's extremely hilarious, but it's so ridiculous. 
Yeah. It's it's great. Yeah. And so you got all these comics <laughs> going up and talking about racism and oh, yeah. sexism <laughs> and, and like trying to be edgy, I, I hitting women. Like it's just, and yeah. then Greg Hahn just goes up and just starts slapping his yeah, butt, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and and it was i i never i've never laughed so hard yeah, yeah. but it was never more divisive like oh, some yeah, people yeah, totally. fucking hated him <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then so then i i'm in louisville and i see him in the audience he's on a date and he's just he's like i was in town saw you're here i was wanted to watch the show and i go greg you got to you got to do some time just do like fucking yeah 5 minutes 10 minutes and he was like i don't i don't feel like it and I go, Greg, please. And he's like, oh, it's, it's a big deal. Like, I don't, like, I just want to <laughs> hang out. get in the mood, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, please. And he goes, okay, fine. So he goes up and he does the beer drinking on the side of his cheek. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he gets soaking That's wet. Great. And then he just goes back in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> That's was, hilarious. He just sat in the audience. The rest of, all the people around him, he's like, shirts wet. All the people <laughs> around him was like staring at him the whole show. Oh, that's fantastic. He's great. Yeah, no, he's, he's fucking great. <laughs> Yeah. How did you did you know like Berbiglia and those guys before that? Uh, I met Berbiglia in San Francisco one time. He did he did like a guest spot maybe, and just annihilated. Like he just was strong right right out of the gate. And uh, yeah, um, we just got to be friends. We we did a little tour through the Bob and Tom show that was like. It was all the guys that were because a lot of the people that were doing that show were married or older, or whatever, and it was just sort of like the Bachelors tour. That's what we called it. It was Augie Smith, Greg Warren, myself, Berbiglia, and uh, Mike McRae. I don't know if you know Mike McRae. Of course, oh, yeah, I yeah, he's yeah, the best Harrison great. Ford. Oh yeah, 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 he's great. Yeah, we had a blast, man. That was that was a really fun tour. I met and they Mike. were all theaters too. It was incredible. Really? Yeah, it was really. really I met fun. Mike when uh, in in. Houston with Bob Biggerstaff. Oh yeah. Yeah, I used to do I used to do it when Pete ran the club. Did you ever do it when Pete oh, was yeah, there? Oh yeah, yeah. Those were fucking crazy days. Yeah, I know. I remember uh yeah, well he came around in like uh two thousand four or something like that, or maybe two thousand two or something like that. Yeah, I remember Pete. What was the guy's name before that? Babbitt. Babbitt. Yeah, he so, was he was like a legend a legend over there. He was a legend. Then he moved over to the Houston Improv. And I came into the Houston Improv and did a weekend and the word on the street like everyone was like, dude, Babbitt is a fucking he's discovered everybody. He's oh yeah. He's booked he's one he's of the, the first guy that headlined Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. For sure. And uh yeah, if you looked at the calendar back in those days, like I remember Doug's the guy who brought me there, and then I would go back a lot. And um, he, yeah, the the calendar was sick. It was just unbelievable. It, it would be like David Tell, Louis C.K., you know, um, Arge Barker, Mark Marin, you know, um, Maria Bamford. You know, it's just like Gold it was Geraldo, just fantastic. Fin- yeah. yeah, it just it went on such, forever. Like they every had, they single had the pictures comic. of like the weekends up, and it was every big fucking comic. Yeah, every comic that you respected. Yeah, like not just big names. It was everyone you respected. Yeah, and there were it was people just that the best would, of the didn't best. Didn't work there because he didn't respect their comedy. Oh yeah, and you were like, and that was like cool. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was a big deal, and the audiences were fantastic. Yeah, those were some were really good insane. times. Yeah, it was like all of a sudden this birth of like a new thing to do when you go out. It's like let's go to the comedy club because there'd be like three hundred people there. Well, Louis recorded his CD there. I recorded. I remember my first being CD there, there for that. Yeah. Yeah, and then again, Doug had his album, that one that we did, and then, uh, yeah, but I, I still have, like, uh, tapes that I recorded there that are not tapes, I guess they're probably CDs, but uh, 
they still sound they sound better than the albums that I put out. I'm just like, why didn't I use these? These yeah, are was, just fucking it, it amazing. It was wired perfectly. Yeah, and it was a fun and crowd. just that crowd. It's like with comedy, you don't need a lot of technical stuff going on. You just need to hear people laughing, and then you need to hear the comedian into the microphone. You know? Oh, I played. I I went and did the Wilbur in January. And uh, I promoted it so much, I can tell you the date. I'll always be able to tell you the date. Yeah. Jan- January 21st. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I brought my, just this Zoom Zoom 6. Yeah. I brought Zoom H6 out, and I just recorded it. And I came home, and I played it for my wife, and she was like, holy shit, this sounds amazing. I go, yeah, 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 I should. It's a really expensive recorder. Yeah. She was like, you should release this as a CD. And yeah. I was like... Oh, maybe I will. And then, and, and then, of course, in the way everything in the industry gets fucked up, you know, everyone's like, no, you should do a new hour. Just record an hour. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll shoot it at the Wilbur if you want to shoot it at the Wilbur. But it's just so no pressure. It's such a fun show. Yeah. That part of me is like, God, that's one I should release. I should just yeah. go and shoot it single, steady. Like, And so then I bought a couple other cameras, and I was like, I'll set up cameras around a room. Yeah. But I haven't been able to do that yet because you're like, fuck. But those ones where there's no pressure, you just go in and fucking murder yeah. it. Well, that yeah, that CD we were talking about of Doug's, it was just one one show from beginning to end, no edits, nothing. It's just uh, great all the way through. Yeah, it's it's amazing, and not all of it is killing. You know, there's a couple of parts in there that get really dark, but it's killing with like a couple of people. But yeah. I, I. Uh, so he did that album and I didn't really hear much about it except for I loved it and a, and a few of my comic buddies loved it but uh, there all of a sudden was this huge resurgence like at, at toward the end of the 2000 you know like 2008 or whatever it was like everybody started uh, loving Doug and then going back to his old stuff and then finding that album and I remember being in Bloomington Indiana and then after the show I went to some bar around the corner and I even have a video of this. I should post it. But the the doorman saw my name when I when I gave him my ID, and he and he said, "Are you the Henry Phillips from the <laughs> from the Doug Stanhope?" I mean, the, he had no idea that I was even a comic or anything like that. I'm playing at the club, but he just uh, he asked, and I go, "Yeah." And then he starts reciting the album, really, word for word. Yeah, I got him on video doing it. Yeah, it's crazy. He's just because yeah, Doug had a lot of that like cadence where it was very memorable. You know, it's like the perfect choice of words and yeah, I, this guy I recited watched, the whole album. I watched Beer Hall Push. Oh yeah. So like a long time ago, someone said to me, um, "I wish I could remember who said it." They were like, "You got to watch Beer Hall." Probably Jeff Tate. He was like, "You got to watch oh, Beer yeah. Hall Push." It's I'm not even saying it right, but he's like, "It's the one of the best stand up." comedy hours you'll ever see yeah and so i was like okay and i and i i was a huge fan of dogs but i couldn't find it online like i couldn't oh, get yeah. it anywhere and i was like fuck like i i'd watch something would be like a stolen audio from it and i was like i don't want that i want to watch it yeah and so i was like fuck i'll go on his website and buy it and i'll have him send it to me and then this is around the time when everything stopped having DVD players. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Fuck!" <laughs> yeah, and then I'm impossible. in, I'm in uh, wherever I, the fuck I was two weeks ago, probably Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah. And it was right before, right before I saw yours. When I saw the promo yours. Oh yeah. It was it was, it was the same day. Was it the same day that I watched yours? I watched his. Oh wow. Okay. Because it's cool. on Netflix now. Yeah. And it is 
fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah. I, I there's his last one. I loved his last one. Like oh, I, I love that one. Too. I said yeah. to him. I've said it a lot. Anyone that listens to podcast knows it might be the best hour of the year. Like yeah, it's just so great. And I thought I like the lower production value. I like like mm-hmm. we said. I did the last special at Showtime and it did well. And they were like, so you've got to think, where do you want to do your next one? And then I said, I don't know. And they were like, if you could do it anywhere, sky's the limit, where would it be? I said, I want to do it at the laugh stop. And they're like, oh, well, it's wow. gone. And I said, no, 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 no. We could recreate it. Oh, yeah. Go in, go. rent that place out for the day. Yeah. And just recreate yeah. that. Oh, that. that's a great idea because the building's still the there. The building's still there. Yeah, man. That would be great. Just go in and just recreate it. Yeah. Like, I guarantee you those structural, they had those fucking poles. Those are still there. Oh, yeah. That was such a great fucking club. Oh, yeah. It was a killer. There was an energy to that room. It was fantastic. Oh, I used to get so fucked up there. Yeah. No, yeah. There were a lot of good stories from that place, too. This is a pretty good one. Uh, the, so Babbitt, Babbitt was, uh, he was a partier himself. So yeah. a lot of times, like, it would piss off, like, managers and agents because they'd be like... You know, whatever their client was, it's like, hey, man, our, our client's going in there for a week. Uh, he's sober now. So, uh, you know, try to keep him away from any of the drugs. And and <laughs> Babbitt wanted a party. And he's like, as soon as they'd get there, he's like, dude, what do you want, man? I got Coke. I got fucking everything. Like, he was just like the <laughs> ultimate. And they're telling the wrong guy. Yeah, they're telling the wrong yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I won't say the names of these comics, but they were just like a kid in a candy store going, oh, this is the fucking best. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so there was... Uh, so Hedberg obviously was really big there and, uh, at one, so any, anything that Hedberg told him, you know, Babbitt would, would be like, oh, okay, cool. You know, um, he would take his advice and I guess Hedberg said, you got to have Arch Barker here. He's a great comic, you know? And Babbitt's like, yeah, okay, cool. And then at that same time, there was another dude that was hanging out with uh, Hedberg a lot that wasn't a good comic, that, which, which was not that unusual, but it was just like a dude that they were buds or whatever. Yeah. And he calls, and uh, it, it's not Arch Barker. It's like a, just another dude. I don't want to say his name either, but uh, this guy's not the greatest. And so he, he calls Babbitt and is like, yeah, uh, my buddy Mitch Hedberg uh, works there. I was hoping I could work there too. And Babbitt's like, yeah, no, actually, I think he just told me about you. Yeah, I'll give you a whole week. And this guy's like, a whole week? I mean, this is basically an open mic. Yeah. He's like, whoa, a whole week? <laughs> no, I'm dying to know. Do I know so he got, uh, I don't know. You, you might not, actually. But uh, so he shows up there, and a couple of the Houston comics were already a little bit pissed off because of all the influx of L.A. guys. You know, it's like, dude, you can you can have some Houston people, go, you know, headline a week here yeah. or there. But this one, when when this guy went up at the open mic night before the week started, like on Monday, oh. he closed the open mic night, and the comics were going up to Babbitt, going, "All right, th- this is it. That 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 does it. This is the worst fucking comedy I've ever seen." And this guy's <laughs> headlining here for a week, and Babbitt's like, "Well, Hedberg told me he's really good. Uh, you know, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna uh, you know, well, let's give him a shot. Maybe he's just trying something different or whatever." Yeah. And then Tuesday night comes around. That was the first night of the week, or maybe it was Wednesday, but uh, his act just walks people in the first 20 minutes. People are done. They leave. The next night, uh, Babbitt was like, hey, man, I think we're going to bring you down to be like the feature act, if that's cool, because for whatever reason, it's not it's not happening here. And so he's like, okay, that's fine. So, like, they keep cutting him down until by the end, he was literally just doing a guest spot. And... Uh, 
I think Babbitt called uh, Hedberg. Babbitt's the one who told me this story. And he said, hey, I booked that guy, you know. And then uh, Hedberg's like, oh, you, you booked uh, Arge Barker? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Babbitt realized he totally fucked up. Oh, that's great. And then he says the guy's real name. Babbitt's like, no, I booked this other guy. And then Hedberg... Because he's such a good guy, I was just like, oh, okay, right on. Yeah. <laughs> like, but he must have been like, oh, fuck, that must have been a train wreck. Did you know Heberg well? Uh, not very well, no. I mean, uh, just casually. Like, we did a week together in, um, in Tempe, and that was great. Lynn, Lynn and I are really good friends. Lynn, Lynn was in the movie, right? She's in the movie, yes. yeah, yeah, and she does a great job. But uh, Lynn and I were in a car with Stanhope, oddly enough, uh, going from one place to the comedy store and we're talking and we're just bullshitting and then we get out and she said something she goes you know she's like you know i, I don't know how it came up it, well she didn't say you know i was married to mitch but she said something about mitch and i said and like like you know that i'm mitch's ex-wife she didn't say that per se but yeah. she said something like that and i go no i know exactly who the fuck you are she yeah. goes, you do? And I went, of course. I go, are you kidding me? I'm the biggest fucking Mitch fan in the world. She goes, yeah. oh my God, why wouldn't you say that? And I go, because I don't want to geek out on yeah. your, on your, on your, your husband has passed away. Like, I don't, and she goes, no, I fucking am a big Mitch fan too. And I was like, well, yeah. She's like, what do you want to know? And yeah. I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> yeah, and I, I fucking lost it. Yeah, no, that's, that's like my connection to all those great stories. There's a lot of great stuff there. And then would, Doug also. Doug had some good ones, too. Doug's, yeah, Doug. He told me they did some show where it was like some office party or whatever that wanted to hire he, Doug and Mitch as, like, comedians, and they showed up to the thing and just looked around at, like, 12 people just drinking, like, you know, I don't know, Bacardi Breezers, whatever. And they, okay, everybody, we're going to start the comedy in a little bit. And I, I think Mitch and Doug just looked at each other and just like, you want to bail? <laughs> It's like, yeah, and they just literally started running, just running. It was like in Pacific Palisades or something, so there's this, like, mile-long driveway to get out to the street. So the last thing that Doug remembers, like, when he turned around, he saw this lady who hired for them for the gig, just seeing these two comics running away and just like, what the fuck? I've wanted to do that so many times. Oh, I've had some fucking... Yeah. See you, you, you. When you play your guitar, I feel like I'm in the same boat because once I start something, I have to finish it. Yeah. Like I don't have to. I can't audible out of like a story. Once I start a story, I've got to. I. It's a commitment to. Oh it. yeah, no, absolutely. It's hard to just bail in the middle of it. Yeah. Where some guys can be like, I'm, I'm married, and then feel the energy, and then they go, I, and I don't like it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much have to. And I have done this where it's just like, all right, guys, you're not digging that. I don't like doing it, so let's just move on to the next fucking thing. <laughs> like, you pretty much have to. Otherwise, it's like, what was that all about? You yeah. Know? Have you ever seen that? I've seen, uh, I saw one comic telling a story at Largo one time. And uh, the way that he opened the story, he said, um, I think he, I think what he was trying to say was, uh, I saw this chick who had a tattoo on her elbow, but it, instead he messed up and he goes, I saw this chick who had an arm on her elbow <laughs> and, uh, and then starts telling like a 10 minute long story. And then it, it's like five minutes into the story. I'm going arm on her elbow. What the fuck? And nobody's laughing. Everybody's just more confused that, but the whole, the entire story is rests on that first statement about yeah. having a tattoo. 
And then I think the audience had to put it together like, oh, I'll bet when he said arm on her elbow, he was trying to, he meant to say tattoo on her elbow. Okay, now I'm with, okay, now I get yeah, it. But oh, it's no, like, it but out. it's all dead by that point. It's like the whole first five minutes of the story is everybody trying to figure it out. But that's one of those things where you watch it on video afterward and it's just like, arm on her elbow what the fuck was that <laughs> like you're wondering why the story tanked and then you see yourself say that it's like god damn it fuck yeah have you been down to bisbee yeah yeah i was just there really? uh that was back in september yeah we all oh were you doing that that fart, the festival? fart festival yeah Wait, what, what hey tell me about bird cloud that was great bird, bird cloud they're awesome yeah it's this uh duo of chicks they're sick uh, they're by the way it's like they're the example of how are like I don't. I, I think. I think they're both hot, but like yeah. I'm fascinated by them. Yeah, they're really good. They, well, they they performed. So Doug just transformed transformed his whole uh, place into like a comedy festival. Like he's got the bar in the back, and there was a great stage. It's like one of the best comedy rooms ever. Yeah. And then he's got the outdoor stage, which which was great. And Bird Cloud performed there, uh, and they could handle music. They had a great PA system and everything. Really. And, uh, yeah, it was great. Anthony Jeselnik was killing it, and Morgan Murphy, and uh, and Christine Levine, and Junior Stopka. There were like a whole bunch of great comics there, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But we also showed the movie, um, and uh, that was that was one of the most fun nights of my life, just really? because it's like because you're showing it to the exact people that you want to show. I mean, there's like 75 people there, and they're all friends of Doug's, you know, comedy fans, other comics. And it was perfect, you know, so it was so fun when anybody would show up, like Brendan would show up right in the beginning and they're all like, oh, there's Brendan, you know, and then. Yeah, that was that guy that got me excited when he like like, right first. Yeah. (laughs) He hits his face. And I started laughing hysterically. I was like, oh, yeah, that was a true story, too. Well, Doug said that he kept on wanting to to stop the movie and talk about it for like a couple of minutes, which I thought was cool because. I've had that where I watch stuff and you want to do that, where you just want to like. You should do it a director's a commentary with it. Yeah, that would be cool. We don't. It's kind of too bad. I don't know if they, it's like you were talking about DVDs. It's like I don't know if they're they're doing that anymore. That you should just do one. Go do a podcast with him. Yeah. Where you start the movie and you just talk about the movie and you go everyone start the movie now yeah. and then start the movie and start talking about it just like a director's commentary. Yeah. Well, the, the director and I did a uh, did one for the first movie. It's on the DVD. And, um, but yeah, I think just now we're, we're in such a streaming era that there's no, we do have some bonus stuff that I think that are going to, are going to be on the Blu-ray or something like that. But I don't think I kind of miss that, the actual package of oh, the, thing, dude, you know, the, the artwork, movie, the movie made by John Favreau with, oh, yeah, yeah. it's a good, it's a great movie, but the extras on that movie were fucking oh, hilarious. Man. I got to see the extras that. were Vince Vaughn just doing double doing takes and you just got to see his process yeah yeah and it was like fuck fascinating really cool yeah that movie i love that movie yeah that was a great one i've gotten to an age where i go i wonder if i should make a movie i might i'd be i feel remiss if i died in this business oh yeah no i think you gotta like never having made a movie you know well you know what we did was uh it started with readings like you get a bunch of comics actors together and you read through the script well it starts with writing the script yeah but you you do readings of it like you know everybody has a few beers and you read through it and then you can tell whether it's good or not and then you start inviting people to watch the readings is that how you did it yeah 
Yeah, and it's it's also great because then you don't have to go through the painful casting process. Like, I don't want to call Brendan Walsh and be like, hey, man, do you mind auditioning, showing up to an audition in front of a casting director? It's like, it feels kind of cheesy to put your friends through that kind of a thing. But yeah. when we were doing readings... That way everybody could see this person and just go, oh, yeah, that's great. That person totally works for that part or whatever. So you kind of bypass that. But, um, yeah, we did a really big reading of the last movie at uh, at a studio in um, Santa Monica. Invited, uh, you know, a whole bunch of uh, producers and investors and stuff like that. And the vibe in there was so good. They were like, all right, well, let's, let's move forward with this thing. Really? You know? Yeah. That's an interesting way to sell a movie. I think it... I, yeah, it, it's really the only way that we we could, you know. It's like our names weren't going to do it. Yeah, you know, we couldn't just show up and say, "Hi, I'm Henry Phillips. This is Greg Viennes. We have a screenplay." No, we pretty much had to show them what the energy was going to be like, you know. And uh, yeah, we did the same process for the first movie. It's like, yeah, the first thing you do is you you throw all every story that you want in the movie like on the canvas and then you figure out a logical way that they can all kind of string together. It's like, all right, how about I show up to LA, I'm crashing on my brother's couch, he gives me a card to go meet my manager, she says I can get you a gig at this open mic night. You know, it's like then you then oh, we'll put that great open mic night story right there. Yeah. Oh, we'll put the thing with my brother in the Batman costume here or whatever. And then before you know it, you've got a whole storyline and then you just flesh it out. And then um yeah, get get a bunch of comics together, read it. So like this new one we did readings with like Mike Kaplan and Matt Kirshen playing those two like whiz kids who work for the network or whatever. And they were great, you know, and who was the, um, who was the, it was, uh, Oh, so that there's the work for the network. Was that, the, it was a, was that yeah, the British comic? Yeah. Yeah. Matt Kirshen. Yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was great. And those two guys are together are great because I always felt like they were sort of similar guys, but like a, like a, uh, a British and American version of each other, sort Mike of. Mike Kaplan, I yeah, I know Mike Kaplan. Yeah, so yeah. they, so they both, both like. Just I thought played, I recognized. I yeah. thought I recognized them. Yeah, they played like the uh, the computer geniuses who who know everything about what the uh, social media you know formula is and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but um, who was the girl? Who was the girl producer when you go? I'm in the room. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Michaela Watkins. How do I know She's her? She's great. She was on SNL for a little bit. Okay. She's on a show called Casual now on Hulu. Yeah, and she's great. Yeah, she just Yeah, and she she came on like the day before. Like that was crazy. She had to learn all that shit and then come in the next day and do it. It was God. amazing. Because I think that we were kind of forced to to hold out really <laughs> for a long time because they, you know, there was so much arguing about who was going to be in the cast and stuff like that. And so finally, um, you know, we all were extremely ecstatic when when Michaela Watkins said that she'd do it and she nailed it. How many days did it take to shoot the film? Uh, it was 18 days. So it's three three weeks of six days each. And then we had Sundays off. And then uh, there were a couple of pickup shot, shots, too. Um and then several months to edit. I mean, the editing process took forever. Were you um, sitting in on that? Yeah. For a lot of it, and I'd show it to people and get their notes. Or just the best note that you can get is, 
well, nobody laughed during that, so we got to go in and fix it. You know, yeah, that's that's like extremely important. I find that so interesting because I've like I'll edit, I edit all my own stuff, and I'll yeah. show it to people. And as soon as I start showing it to people, I go, I could have been cutting this out. This is boring. Yeah, yeah. I'm like fuck, I need to show more shit to people. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's huge. Yeah, I I always try to do that. Um, just the same way that you know when you do your stand up, you need to know whether you know. Yeah. I need other people's approval yeah. to figure out where it's funny. Yeah. Because I have bits where I think are hilarious, and then I go, wow, that that's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing how we can be so – how you guys can like so much other stuff that I did, but this one idea I that I love. Yeah, no, I've had that too, and you really want them to, to like it because it's like, I like this so much. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had to throw away shit that I – that I was trying that and it could be that somebody else could do it and sell it perfectly but I just wasn't it wasn't working for whatever reason yeah we have chickens yeah nice yeah. this is awesome yeah. well I should probably let you wrap up about yeah, hour, hour 30 what what, uh, what what tour dates do you have coming up uh, I got Bloomington Indiana coming up Bloomington um, what is that com- that's the comedy attic yeah I've been there yeah I love it it's, yeah that's yeah. gonna be the 28th that'll be fun uh, or I know maybe it's like the thirtieth. Whatever, whatever goes into April first. That the 20th, weekend, twenty eighth, twenty ninth. Yeah, yeah. First, I'm in. Uh, I'm in uh, Omaha that week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I got a San Francisco Docs Lab night that I'm doing. Um, a couple other things coming up. Fresno. Uh, I'm going to put a Chicago one on the books soon. Nice. There's a bar I do called the North Bar over there. That's always a good time. Fuck it. Do you find so, do you yeah. find that it it's that you you go over better with a, in like a bar vibe than um, as a comedy like, I, like I, a, I find myself doing more of those in the in the bigger cities because it's just the the clubs pay less and it's harder for them to justify importing a guy from LA when they have so many great local comics so um yeah the the bars uh I think they work I I think comedy clubs ultimately is ideal but um, it's, you know it's tough. Like uh, chances are, I'm not going to be doing a week in Boston. You know, I've done it before, but it's on a really small scale. You know. Yeah. Well, I, I find I find that um, smaller scales, like smaller venues, um, I f- I feel like I just enjoy them more. Yeah. Like uh, like I did I did a club in London. It was 100 seats, mm-hmm. 110 seats. Huh. Fucking loved it. Yeah. Loved it because I could. It was intimate, and I could. I didn't have to. I didn't have to monologue. There yeah. wasn't so many people that I had to do crowd control. Yeah, like the Wilbur. I was shocked at how great that was. I, yeah. I didn't think I'd like twelve hundred people. Yeah, but then I was in San Antonio. It was like four hundred and ten people, and I was mm-hmm. like, on my late Saturday show, it was a fucking shit show. Like yeah. they were fucking lunatics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like legit lunatics. And I was yeah. like, I was like, fuck, man. And then I just did uh, uh, Portland's two seventy five, and I was like, okay. Like yeah. that's a good group of people, but uh, I like the, I like the Funny Bones. I like the, there's these cool like uh, theaters that seat like three hundred. That I was like, oh, I could do some of those. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, the Irvine Improv now has got like four hundred or something like so that. I think it's I, I want to say it's fucking six. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's massive. Yeah, they're getting bigger names there. Yeah, well, yeah, I like that because guys like Gabriel were doing two weekends back to back there, and they were like, well, we could make. Double the money. Yeah, yeah. So. Get a bigger venue. Yeah. 
It's a big market for those people. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate this. I, I fucking love you. I think you are one <laughs> of the, the way, funniest. Irvine people. That's what I, in case anybody thought I meant something else. <laughs> Irvine people like their comedy. That's what I was saying. Wait, what did right. you say? <laughs> I said big market for those people. I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, for comedian, for for comedy fans. All right. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate you doing this, man. I fucking dude. Thanks for having me. I man. love the movie, and I and I. You guys got to go see it. It's on Netflix. It's Finding Henry or Punching Henry. Yeah. And then, uh, and then w- go watch right now. Go watch The Loner. It's on YouTube. On what's your YouTube channel's name? Henry, just Henry Phillips. Um, Henry yeah, HenryPhillips.com is my website, and it's got all the all the links to all the YouTube videos okay. on and there. And your and your and, and your, YouTube is Henlips. Yeah. yeah, and Twitter's Henlips. Yeah, nice. Yeah, put dude, put it. Do you have a Facebook page? I do, yeah. Have you, have you uploaded those videos directly to Facebook? Um, no, I haven't done that yet with the loner. Yeah, I should do that. It's a good idea, huh? Oh my god! Yeah, get. T- I'll tell More you right now. See it. If you can, if you do it, I'll put it on mine. And I have a lot of Facebook fr- okay. friends. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, fa- Facebook fans, and I that you need to upload all those to your all YouTube five pa- of them. or to your Facebook page. Okay, and then I will share them on mine back to back to back. And I, I guarantee you, you will get no less than two hundred thousand views on each of them That's in a awesome. day. They're fucking. It is. That's great, man. Thanks. I'm so glad you like those. No, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go show them to my wife again right now. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Oh, you gotta see something he did. <laughs> but I appreciate this, man. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, man. Much. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This episode was brought to you by the Machine. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving, plus high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H E R O.co.